What's up, guys? Welcome back to No Easy Buckets. Uh, this is Jacob. I'm joined by longtime co-host Blake Thornton. How's it going, bro? It's going good, man. Glad to be back on the pod. It's been a while. Been a little bit, dude. It's uh, We had uh, one of my new friends uh, through uh, hoop, Hoops Habit. I said Hoops Hype on the podcast like three times the other day, and it's definitely not the website that we write for. It's Hoops, uh, hoops Habit. So got the wrong, uh, got the wrong term there, but, but yeah, he was awesome. We talked free agency and now we got Blake, buddy, old pal back to talk a little finals recap. A little bit, a little bit of the finals recap, some Grizz, new head coach. We got a lot oh, of yeah. stuff on tap. A lot of stuff on tap, but, uh, dude, we were just, uh, we, we probably talked for like 30 minutes before we started recording. Uh, last night was wild. It was, uh, I mean, it was like I, – I still thought Toronto was going to win the series. I thought there was a chance that uh, that Golden State would win game six and at least lose in Toronto for seven. But the clay injury, you know, Toronto still kind of hung strong. Fred Van Fleet went off. Um, so they're champions. But the main storyline is kind of like everything else but the fact that they won. <laughs> I know, like scrolling Twitter and seeing like what everybody's been like saying, everybody's like talking mainly about, you know, the, all of these injuries and all this other stuff that like is not, you know, not giving Toronto the benefit of the doubt when, you know, for the first four games they were, they were killing it. Right. So, I mean, it's just a lot of, a lot of yeah. things overshadowing it, but dude, last night was not last night was fun. I didn't, the, the thing that surprised me about last night was, you know, Kyle Lowry coming out, <laughs> stronger than he's probably ever come out in a game in his life. <laughs> I was so pumped to see that because he gets he gets a lot of shit uh, for like, you know, I mean, he's been an all-star for several years in a row because the East always has some slots that, you know, they don't really have enough to fill. And the West always has snubs. Like, there's a couple years that Mike Conley probably deserved to be an all-star over or could have been an all-star and wasn't because he's in the West. And then, you know, Lowry's getting all those spots out East. But – People just kind of were like, oh, he's kind of like a – he's just a normal player. He's not clutch or anything like that. He's had struggles in the playoffs in the past years. But he played really well in the whole finals, and especially last night. He was like, this is not – we're not going to lose because I didn't show up. No. And yeah, he, was he basically crazy. was like writing his own – writing the, like the undertones of his own story. He was like, you know, even if we lose, it's not going to be on me. Right? I'm going to come and get buckets real quick. Yeah. I mean, even Zach Lowe, they did a little late-night podcast with Windhorse last night, and he even said, like, I mean, maybe he was caught up in the moment, but he he does love the Raptors. But he was like, I think now that you have these performances in the finals and and Lowry's probably the greatest Raptor of all time, that he has a Hall of Fame Fame argument now. And so, I mean, that's that's probably true. I mean, there's a lot of players that are worse than him that have gotten in there probably. So that's interesting. I mean, I, I like Kyle Lowry. I've always been a fan, old-time Grizzly back in the day. Of course, we let him go. He gets better. That's how it happens. Um, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, too, like now that he's an NBA champion, I mean, mm-hmm. he's on the, he was on the edge kind of, like on yeah. the outside looking in. But now that, now that they've got themselves uh, – he's got himself an NBA championship, I mean, it'd be hard not to, to let him in at some point at least. Maybe, maybe not first ballot or, or anything right. like that, but – I mean, at the end of the day, I don't know how you how you keep him out, especially 
you know, like you were saying, long time, long time Raptor. He's been an All Star. He's been on, uh, I think, a few All NBA third teams. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, at this point, like he's he's got the credentials, right? It's just that you know, other writers saying you know, Kawhi helped him do all X, Y, and Z, or you know what I mean? Like, right. we'll, we'll have to kind of see where that goes. But I th- I think he's he's a fringe Hall of Famer for sure. Yeah, and I mean the thing is, a lot of in, in a lot of these conversations, even talking about him in the moment in present time, it's like sometimes it's hard to make sense of it or like to make an argument. But then five years removed, or you know, a couple of years after he retires, you put his resume up against some other people that are already in there, and it's like, oh wow, why did we even? Why did we even think he wasn't going to make it? He's got five all stars. Yeah, five all stars. And I was trying to find. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to go through all this shit on here, basketball reference, but anyway. Yeah. But, yeah, so I was happy for him, um, happy for Mark, of course. Uh, I mean, a lot of people were, you know, there was a couple of local people that were like, you know, we shouldn't just be, like, cheering, acting like Memphis won a title, but, like, whatever, man. Mark, uh, you know, Mark is was, was our city for so many years. Him and Mike were, you know, great to us. They still talk great of Memphis. I know there was some some tough – the last two years were a little rough with, you know, him wanting, probably wanting to leave, Mike doing the same, but so happy. He got the Memphis shout-out from Doris Burke on the stage. You know, she shouted out Zebo and Mike, and then, you know, he was telling, you know, he loves Memphis and loves those guys. Basically, he said that those guys are the reason he's standing there right th- right now, and and I think that is, is testament enough to what those guys did in their careers, so. Dude, uh, th- th- here's why I'm at. I'm a longtime Grizzlies fan season ticket holder to the whole nine right so if you if you can't be happy for Marcus all dude I was cheering him for the Raptors the entire series mainly because Marcus all was on the team if you if you are uh under the sense that you can't cheer for a or for an organization that you know now has one of our beloved former Memphis Grizzlies a part of the core four you know let's put a statue outside of FedEx Forum of Marcus Gasol and the, and the crew, like, dude, I don't want to, I don't, I don't think that you can call yourself an actual Grizzlies fan. Right. I mean, th- yeah, that's, there's something to be said for that. I mean, you, you, we're not the type of fan base that, that really should be bitter for certain things. Like, you know, it's different if you're in LA or you're in uh, Boston or New York or, you know, somewhere like that where maybe a player, you know, soured and, and decided to leave or left in free agency. Sometimes I don't even agree with that stuff. Cause I mean, just let them live their life. But especially in Memphis, where is Mark re-signed here twice? So it's like, yeah. you know, what he he gave us. I mean, there, he could have done some things better. He could have been more aggressive. He could have done certain things, but a lot of it was out of his control as well. So I'm going to choose to be happy for him. I'm going to choose to, you know, relish those comments and tweets that I've seen of him facetiming. Mike Conley after the game and, and, and having his kids out there and, and, and drinking champagne and probably getting drunk super quick because that happens <laughs> a lot. But he's a huge, huge-ass dude. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cherish those moments and, and, and hope that one day we actually get to see the Grizzlies, you know, recognized, you know, on that stage as well. So I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, that, that'd be the goal. That'd be the yeah. goal. I think did – you, did you see his tweet where he did like the – I would assume he was doing it as a as an Elvis reference, <laughs> but thank you, thank you very much. Tweet. Oh, I yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I did see that. Uh, yeah, he tweeted it out with a picture of him like holding the uh, 
the NBA, you know, the, the trophy. Oh, that is, that's um, got to be what it is. That's got to be a – It has to be that. Elvis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, because so, yeah, I favorited it. I'm going to retweet it right now. Just so, need to get that back on people's time. Even, even when we missed the playoffs, we got some shout-out. We got a shout-out from Dorksburg, and, and we got a we got a rep in Marcus All holding down the fort still. So Love it. There's also the, the picture it, before that, the, the last tweet he had on March 19th. A picture of Pal himself and his dad, and, and I guess their other little brother. Their dad is not tall at all. How did this happen? No. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Mo- most most people that are like extremely tall have like five foot ten parents. Like like a, their dad is like five foot ten and like like an average build. <laughs> Let's hope my kids like that. Well, I hope <laughs> seven foot. Anyway, yeah. anyway, so we've got we've got that formalities out of the way happy for Toronto they have a lot of questions coming up there's even the, that report of Masai Jiri you know getting into altercation with the security which uh, that's kind of funny to me but you know let him get on the court anyway there's a lot of stuff going on with them but you know they're a little I think they're they're I guess offseason is going to take shape over the next couple months as well as the Warriors which we knew there was some question coming in to, to this offseason. You know, we knew that we, everybody pretty much assumed Durant was leaving. Everybody, I would say probably like 75 to 80% of people assumed Clay was going to stay. And I think even it got more so, more positive on that front as the season went on and the playoffs. But now that basically Clay and Durant are both missing next season, regardless of who they sign with. I think things get really, really, really interesting. And yeah. I think, you know, we talked about this a minute ago. I think they both stay. I think they're going to max both of those guys. Yeah. No, I, I don't see a situation where they can they cannot stay in, in Golden State at this point because with the injuries, you know, suffered at the, like, the very, very tail end of the season, um, I know that Kevin Durant's already, like, projected to miss the entire season next year. Clay – they said that he's not going to come back until what February or March of next year. Um, so basically, so at the end of the day, season. yeah, basically all season too, right? So, so at the end of the day, you're you're missing a full season anyway, and there and and if you don't sign with a team that already has that love and and respect for you already, to where they feel like you know they've already won how many championships together the trenches, as, a, yeah. as a team? Yeah, like you've already won championships with the team. Um, and stuff like that. So I think that at the end of the day, if you don't sign with the Warriors, you're, you, you know, you're kind of doing yourself a disservice, right? Unless you're – I mean, Clay, Clay, on the other hand, I mean, it's an ACL. You can come back from that. Um, Durant with the Achilles is the mm-hmm. – is what's really questionable right. about, like, why, why would he leave at that point? And honestly, after – I mean, it's only been four days since that happened, four or five days, which is crazy to think it's only been that long. But – I was even starting to think, and I talked about this in the podcast with uh, Gabriel the other day, I was starting to think that the possibility of him opting in, Kevin Durant opting into the option, was more on the table. Just because I know that I think he would rather go through free agency next year and actually be able to not, you know, be on crutches or whatever going into these team meetings, right? And because that's all going to have to happen over the next two weeks, two and a half, three weeks. Uh, so why would you want to do that right after surgery when you're not, you're maybe your mind's not right. So I was thinking maybe he opts in and does it next year. He's still going to get a max, even if he doesn't play next year, 
But with this clay stuff and with the, you know, they're saying the Ramona Shelbourne just tweeted out an article. I didn't get a chance to read it before we started recording, but the, the premise was that, you know, three years ago the, when the, when the Warriors lost the finals, Draymond called KD in the parking lot. And that's what started this, yeah. this new, this other chapter of the dynasty. Well, they said last night, KD called clay after the game. So that's a yep. whole new dynamic of that's something that a guy who's committed or, I mean, of course they could be calling each other's friends. I know that Ramon is probably trying to set the stage and I'll read the story to get more details, but I think what they're trying to hint at is that that's what a committed player does or a player that's committed to this franchise and to this core and let's run this back. Let's take a year off. Let's still be in our prime and let's stay here. You know, and, and yeah. let's, let's I, I, I know what article you were referring to. I think, I think something in the title was like unfinished business or something like that. Yeah. I know that um, I saw like a, a comment from uh, Clay Thompson's dad, Michael, um, where he was like, yeah, I overheard the conversation, but I don't think they would want me to divulge any information, which kind of, you know, it, it could go either way, right? They could be only talking about like, hey, man, you know, praying for you, all this other stuff with right. your with your injury, you know, we're going to come back, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, kind of like you were saying, why would why would you reach out like right at, like during the game, like right after like hours after you lose? Mm -hmm if you're not committed to the team, right? Like he, he could, I mean, he's in a hospital bed, I would assume, or he's somewhere in New York. Like he he's just had surgery. Like you don't, you, Probably. You, don't, you don't have to call. No. You don't have to reach out. No. And you don't, you don't have to do that. And I think, cause Clay had the kind of emotional Instagram post yesterday about KD and saying, everybody, we need to play for KD or play for K or whatever. And, uh, you know, it really was a, it was a nice, like heartfelt thing to do. And you kind of showed how close those guys were. I mean, really the only strife that anybody ever had was Draymond and KD. And when you think about it, yeah. Draymond is just that guy. And Draymond probably loves to do to death. They probably, like, hang out outside of, outside of uh, basketball. But, like, he's just that type of player on the court. That's what makes Draymond so great. I mean, I despise yeah. him for other reasons. Uh, but I do – I respect the hell out of him for what he's done. But I did want to kind yeah. of get into – this is going to be kind of like the whole title of the podcast. I think let's, – let's move forward on the premise that Golden State re-signs Clay and re-signs KD for a max. Now, this has to be like a four- or five-year max at least – or, you know, three to five years. Like, both of them have to re-sign for three-plus years. For this, More than two, like, yeah. For this, yeah, for this to take place. So, next year, you're going to have a team of uh, – Steph Curry, basically Steph Curry and Draymond. And Draymond's going to be on a free contract, which I think they're going to commit to him long-term as well. So I think we could get a Warriors tank. I think it's a real possibility to try to add a lottery, to try to add a lottery pick. Because you think about what happened to the Lakers this year. That was a team that was in the playoffs up until the last like couple months of the season. And they could have kept going, and they didn't have to sit LeBron James out. They could have tried to – you know, be in that 13 to 14 or maybe make the playoffs range. But they chose to sit him out, and they ended up getting a top four pick out of it. So yeah. they, were, they finished the 12th spot. So they moved up like 11, yeah. like, well, like 10 spots. So I think that's a real possibility to see them go for that, especially with the new lottery odds. They'll let Steph cook. You know, he'll do like kind of a Kawhi last year. 
in play like three quarters yeah. of the games. Draymond will do the same. They'll be like, look, man, go out there, do what you want to do, have fun, but we're going to resign you. Don't worry about it. And then they'll get a lottery pick because they're going to have to add talent to this team somehow because they're going to have a luxury tax bill. The cap, they're not going to have any cap room. So that's a good way to add some talent to a clear title contender in 2020-2021. Yeah. If you expand on it too, like, yeah, they need depth. They need depth in a bad way. Right. But if you expand on it too, like if you – let's just assume for the, for the sake of the podcast that obviously KD is going to be out, but let's just assume that Clay is going to be out too, right? Yeah. Like he could come back in March or April. Cool, you know, for the playoffs. But right. let's say he doesn't. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, Steph Curry, for as, as great as he is, he's arguably like the best shooter of all time. Arguably the best shooter. Yeah. If you, you, you kind of saw a preview of it last night when, when he's the only – threat on the floor because we can't call Draymond a threat mm-hmm. he's the only threat on the floor he's getting double teamed every time like set, like there there are people like you're throwing bodies at him at all, at all times so yeah he could probably you know throw up 25 30 points a game just you know getting off all, all like screens and and doing his thing but at the end of the day dude they, like where's the scoring right at the yeah. end of the day I think that they it's a, it's a team as it's constructed right now as it's constructed right now if they re-sign Clay and Kevin Durant I mean, dude, you're averaging like 85, 90 points a game next year. So it wouldn't be hard to tank. I think it's it's very likely that it's, <laughs> it's it's more possible than you think. Yeah, exactly. I think you could let Clay. I mean, Clay would have a great outside shot at being the MVP next year with the numbers. Because I think he will throughout the course of a season, like playing the teams you're going to play, the back-to-backs and stuff like that. Like teams aren't going to guard you like they are in the playoffs. So he can put up his numbers. Right. That doesn't mean they'll win all those games. But, like, he can put up some numbers, but I still think they probably play him about 55 to 60 games total next year. And, and that's if he's not – and that's without injury, right? I think they probably yeah. sit out back-to-backs, like, do certain things like that, and then do the same with Draymond or let him go out there and, you know, I mean, they're probably not going to be able to keep Draymond off the court. But you you got to work some of these young guys like your pick last year, Jacob Evans, work those guys into the rotation. You know, they got a bunch of decisions to make. They're not going to have – uh, a lot of uh, pieces to work with. They're probably going to have to sign a lot of uh, vet minimum guys or little young guys and see what they have. I think it's going to be a trial run season for them. And something, too, uh, uh, kind of a not a main factor of this whole, like, tanking, you know, Warriors future scenario, I think, because you have you – have, uh, what I wanted to get into was Andre Iguodala. He's got one more year left on his deal, and it's going to be at $17 million next year. So he's already won his three titles. We've seen how important he is. He's 35. So that means he would be approaching 37 by the time Clay and KD are back on the court, which would be the next best time they have a chance to win a title. And he'd be a free agent as well. So he's probably – they may sign him for vet minimum, but I think what is more realistic is if all the things – in this future theoretical scenario of Clay and KD staying – I think Andre Iguodala becomes a really valuable trade piece. Think about this. Could you trade Iguodala to uh, L.A. for that number four pick? Now, this would all have to happen. This would all have to happen really, really quickly, right? And maybe it's – maybe just trade – maybe if L.A. doesn't trade that pick to – to New Orleans, which is probably out of the question. It's probably going to happen, but – Maybe they hold on to it. Maybe they draft a player. Maybe you pick up another young piece. Or maybe you trade them, 
you know, maybe it's one of those things where you trade um, Iguodala for some other young player like a Josh Hart or somebody like that, somebody that you have their restricted free agent rights going forward to L.A. But I think Iguodala becomes a trade piece to a contender. Maybe it's not L.A. Maybe it's Boston. Maybe it's, you know, Brooklyn even. Maybe it's somebody like that. Maybe it's Miami or the Clippers become a trade, become a destination for Iguodala, and you can offload that money, take on some bad salary that one of those teams has for one year, and then get like a pick or a young piece in return. And really, that the Warriors become like this version of themselves that we haven't seen in so long, where they're actually you know making strategic moves to to add young pieces for the future. So there's, I think there's some flexibility here. I think there really is. Uh, for them. There's, there's there's flexibility in terms of there's flexibility in terms of you remember when Seth's ankles were like super broke, <laughs> yeah. like on the front end of his career. Yeah. Like it, it allowed them to it allowed them to go after Clay. It uh, you know they they had impeccable you know scouting and all this other stuff with Draymond right. Like mm-hmm. if, if you get Draymond on the back end of the second round, I mean it's it's incredible. But if you think about it, two of their two of their four all stars, you know, and arguably seventy five percent of their scoring is out. So mm-hmm. I think just by just by tanking alone, or, I mean it's not even like tanking, honest to God. It's like you you get a lot of you get it's a chance reality. to. It, it's reality. Yeah, it's, it's reality, honestly. But you get a chance to to play some of your young guys. Like you know what what is what is Quinn Cook to your team, right? Like right. what are all these what are all these people like you have a chance to kind of do what, what Atlanta or let's say like the Nets, they, they like, they really focused on playing younger guys. So like develop younger guys, get them like actual minutes mm-hmm. to where they're, you know, they're playing, you know, 10, 15 minutes a game, 20 minutes a game and develop, like ha- have like build your depth up while you're going to deplete it at the end of the day. Right. So I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I know they don't have any, any like valuable picks in like the, the front end no. of this draft whatsoever. I think they're on like their pick like 28, 28 and like yeah, 28. You know, almost dead last. Which I mean, that's the yeah. thing is I think what you have to do in the past they've they've drafted players that they view come in and, you know, fill a role. Like they probably viewed Jacob Evans last year as hopefully like the tenth man or something that could play in a playoff scenario when there was injuries. And he ended up not being that. So it was a it was a miss. Right. But they drafted for well, need, right? And I think what you would probably do going forward is you would try to take a home run pick at that at that slot. Like maybe Bowl Bowl, somebody like that who people view a, bowl, in the bowl. lottery. Right. People view him in the lottery, but I think there's only a couple of teams in the draft that are going to be okay with taking a risk on him. And if those teams don't take him in those slots, he could end up dropping a while. Yeah. Uh, right. Similar to yeah. like Deontay Davis a couple years ago, how he was in the he was in the green room and ended up going to the second round, just because the teams that were considering him ended up getting other guys at those slots that they didn't think they were going to get. So he slid a long ways. Well, maybe right. uh, maybe that guy's available or something like that. But that's the type of selection I would try to make is like a a guy who you think has a lot of upside that could really be a value in year two of his of his career when all these guys are healthy. Yeah. Also keep in mind, you know, we're talking about them tanking and, and then losing like a huge chunk of their offense. Um, Vegas actually opened the odds for next season. And I know that we were talking about this earlier, the odds of winning the NBA title. And, you know, obviously the the Warriors are number one and I don't, I don't see oh, it, man. Yeah. Like that's gotta be messed up. It's, 
<laughs> there's no way. Like, there's that has to like. Maybe maybe they just the, – the people doing the odds haven't watched games in, like, the last week or so, but, you know. Right. Oh well. I saw that, too, and I was like, this is – is this, like, some weird, like, screw-up? Or, like, do they know something we don't know? Like, even if the Warriors, like, pulled some kind of black magic, like, KD and Clay aren't playing next year. Like, those – that's not – like, it's not like they're just – you don't know if they're going to resign. They're, they literally are injured. Yeah. They're not going to be on the court, so – I mean, maybe they're like, oh, well, if both players sneak in, if they sneak in as like an eight seed and both players come back to the playoffs, like, I think that's too much speculating. But, yeah. Well, this is where, this is where, I mean, if both players leave, like, right, we can, we can play like devil's mm-hmm. advocate, right? If both players leave, I mean, that does technically free up two max slots, right? Or close uh, to it, at least. Close to it. I mean, the thing is, if both players leave, then what they would end up doing is probably, trading some like trading Iguodala to free up all that space. Cause I think it would take, yeah. I think without, yeah, without, without their, uh, let me look it up real quick. You keep talking. I have a salary cap. Sheet. Yeah. Well, so here's where I was going with that. Right. Like at the end of the day, like Kevin Durant is a max guy. Clay, I don't think was a max. He's not on a max deal right now, at least I don't think. Um, so yeah, they, they would get to, I think they could get to a point without, I don't know any of the numbers off the top of my head or anything like that, but I think that they could get to a point where they would have or could have the, at least yeah. one max slot in the a, max, in a, in the a max, the max amount of space they could get to is $20 million. And that's if like KD and clay and like they uh, Livingston's not fully guaranteed stuff like that. Uh, that's the max I think yeah. they could get to is 20, okay. million, which, so, which is not a technical max contract, but you could probably give 20 million to someone that maybe like a Jimmy Butler or something to just be like, no. look, take a little bit less and come play and try to win a championship. But, yeah, that's that's the only scenario. Yeah, so maybe that's where Vegas was going. I, yeah. I can't I can't think of a scenario where um, they're contending, uh, let alone making the playoffs. Let which, alone which, the favorite, three-to-one favorites to win the title. Like, that's the whole – like, I could see them being like, okay, I can see in this scenario, like, okay, let's say Steph, Draymond, and – you have Jimmy Butler for twenty million. Let's just say best case scenario. I could see that team's a playoff team, but they're not a they're not a top they're not the best team in the West. They're not a top four playoff team no, in the I West, no way. Yeah, no, no, no. Because Jimmy's not better than Clay or KD, of course. And I don't even think right. he's close to either of those two players. So uh you're not I mean you're not you're probably like a sick five or six seed, but uh but yeah, so I don't the, the odds are gotta be out of whack or something. No, somebody messed up. <laughs> somebody, messed they were saying. somebody got some value. I don't know. But at the end of the day, slight slight recap mm-hmm. of the Warriors. I think that both they're gonna both their both their stars are gonna resign. Katie and Clay, I think they're gonna resign. If you if you actually bring it forward to the other team in the NBA Finals last last night, um, I think the Raptors are gonna do some. You're talking about black magic. I think that they're gonna. <laughs> I think that the Raptors are gonna try to go after ad or should yeah oh definitely i i Unless definitely think, goes to washington <laughs> yeah i don't think i don't think he's gonna do like i mean i could maybe if he wants the challenge of rebuilding that screwed up situation but i don't think you go through all what you did and win a championship to like go prove something like that somewhere i think he probably stays or if, if he goes anywhere in my opinion it would be like la that's where I can yeah. see him going, but I don't even know if that's an option. I think he stays and tries to like go back to back because 
I think what you have to do is very quickly from Toronto's front office perspective is you have to quickly in like 48 hours time, take a step back and be like, look, we have to refocus these warriors who we just beat, who we competed against when, even when clay was on the court, they're not going to be there next year. Who we don't know who's going to rise up in the West. There's a couple of guys there, but we think we can beat all those teams in the East. Boston is falling apart. Even if they trade for KD, they're going to be depleted. Now Brooklyn is the spot right. that, like, all these free agents are going. But, like, look, do we really view a Kyrie-led Brooklyn team as a, a really, you know, major contender if we still have Kawhi? So they can, they can now, like, make some moves, like you said, trying to get AD. And they're the title favorites next year. They have to be. Yeah. You know, Easily. if they get Kawhi and add AD and they still have, like, a Lowry and a Gasol and players like that, like, they have some pieces where – and I think in the end, anyway, we're going to end up seeing a KD, an AD, uh, Anthony Davis trade similar to the Kawhi trade last year. We're not going to get yeah. – if he doesn't go to L.A., we're going to end up seeing a package where it's like, wow, that's what they did for him? And the Raptors yeah. might as well do it two years in a row, be that team. <laughs> you beat me to it. I was just about yeah. to say, I was like, why, why not? We, why not? Like, they, yeah. you know, the Thunder did it with Paul George. He resigned. Yeah. The, the 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 Raptors did it with Toronto uh, with Kawhi. That he he won him a championship. At the end of the day, like, and I and I know that I was texting back and forth in our our group message. Like Pascal Siakam, huge trade piece, huge oh, trade yeah. piece. Huge. So so at the end of the day, like, it's not like Toronto doesn't have assets that they can give to New Orleans, right? Like. If you if you trade if you trade uh, like a Pascal Siakam or I mean pick whoever you want on the Raptors team outside of you know Lowry is not getting traded uh, or anybody like that, but if you pair like uh, like a Siakam with Zion, like that's gonna be that's that's crazy like that's where you start your rebuild right like you have a proven player like I, I get the whole like Lonzo Brandon Ingram all that other stuff Siakam was better than all those guys in my right. opinion right and you have he's on a he's on a Stone's rookie deal. He's got a lower number just because of being like a late first round pick. So you have his right. rights. And I mean, yeah, he's a post player. Zion's a post player. But I think those both, both of those guys can play together. And I think Siakam, proven he can stretch the floor, I think would be fine beside him. And I don't think you need any other big men outside of those two guys. You know, use your key guys. And I think that would be a great pairing. And I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, and I was just looking at it on the trade machine right here. They have that Serge Ibaka contract, which is $21 million, which is very close to being the exact contract that AD is on. So they can they, – they don't have to do a lot to make this deal work. Like you could do – you could do uh, Serge Ibaka and Pascal Siakam. Oh, right there. I did it on the trade machine right now. Serge Ibaka, Pascal Siakam for Anthony Davis contract-wise works right off the bat. That's the only two players you have to include to make the tra- salary work. And you obviously throw in – they may ask for Van Fleet or somebody like that. Like, you, you can get creative. Maybe you give them – that's the thing, though. If You you could give them multiple first-round picks because you're like, we're not going to – if we re-sign Kawhi and we have 80, like, we're fine with these picks. You, you turn into the Warriors where you just trade these things. We don't need them. Yeah. So, it's just like – Hey, take my picks. I don't care. Like at right. the end of the day, at the end of, at the end of the day, if if we can go in a depleted East and a warriorless West mm-hmm. and go and get this championship with AD, we already signed Kawhi because Kawhi's not going to sign one of those players like those like 
two with a player option on the second year. Like Kawhi's, I think, in my opinion, I think Kawhi's the type of guy that's like, hey, I'm going to commit to your team. Right. He's that type of guy. So at the end of the day, I think that if you can do that and you can secure Kawhi, you know, I don't actually know how many, how many good years of, uh, of basketball does Lowry have left. A, a decent amount, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. It's not like he's like, he's not on like 16 of the back nine, right? Like he's, no, he's I mean, still a former he's, he's got a large salary, but I mean, he's still fine. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you go and you, you trade for an AD and you, you kind of just set in stone like the next five years of, of Toronto Raptors basketball, like putting it, putting it on the map, right? Like for 24 years, you were, I don't want to say like looked down upon, but kind of, you know, being from Canada and all this other stuff. Like, I think, right. I think that you have a, a chance to, to do something really special in Toronto. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, and, and I don't want to get caught up in the moment either with Kawhi, it's like he probably already knows what he's going to do with free agency regardless of the title. I think the ti- winning a title and seeing the reaction and, and everything like that and probably having a good relationship with Masai, it does affect things. But the thing is, if if he's already decided he's going to L.A., then he's going to L.A. But I, I yeah. still – if you – you get any sense that he considers you an option you've got to make the deal even without even without Kawhi I still think trading for Davis isn't the worst move in the world right like if you're yeah. giving up, if you're giving up if you're giving up Sergi Baca and Pascal Siakam uh and some picks for Anthony Davis and you're running back the Saul Lowry Davis you know Van Fleet Ananobi and things like that then, you know, you still have a good team who is going to compete at the top level in the East next year. So it's still in question. It's still out there. Yeah. And you have two, you have two, you would have two all NBA guys on your team and Mm -hmm. two all NBA defensive guys on your team. Right. Mm -hmm. Like at the end of the day, it's it's a, it's crazy. So, but not to talk about that too much. Right. I know (laughs) that we, we've gone in depth about that a a, a good bit. But but, I mean, that's, that's what's hot of the topic. So it's all good. Yeah. All good at all. Let's uh let's move into our hometown guys real quick because there was some news yesterday. Honestly, there hasn't been a lot in the last couple of days. There's been a lot of speculation with the AD stuff. Yeah. Let's you know let's talk about something that you know is actually happening, and that is um, uh, Memphis Grizzlies. They did hire a new coach, Taylor Jenkins. Uh, nobody knows who he is. That's fine. That's what was always going to happen, right? He's been on uh, – <laughs> right, right. He's been on Mike Boonholzer's staff since he was in Atlanta. Um, you know, Kevin Arnovitz came on Chris Vernon's podcast and talked highly of him, came on, uh, you know, had a good couple tweets about him, talking about how he's a really a forward-thinking head coach and is really going to be a solid guy. He was the last guy from Boonholzer's staff to get hired, but one of the younger guys. I think he's – I think he may be, like, the same age as Mike Conley, so that's crazy, right? But – yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him. We also got news that Jonas Valanciunas is opting out of his $17.6 million player option. So now there's some speculation on, is he going to be re-signed? Is he going to be extended? You know, what's going to happen with that? You know, what's, what's your take on what's going on with the Grizzlies right now? Like, what is your, what is your feel from being like boots on the ground in the city? Man, honestly, and, and just to kind of, be upfront and honest when we announced that we hired taylor jenkins as our next head coach i had to google the guy i had no idea who he was <laughs> i i mean just like a lot of you know 
a lot of people down here in, in Memphis. But it's, you know, from what I know about him, just from like on the surface, I haven't like obviously done a deep dive on the guy or anything like that. He's really big into player development. Um, I don't know if he was – obviously he wasn't responsible for drafting Giannis or, or anything like that. But if you think about the guys that he's coached, coached up, um, you know, Chris Middleton, uh, Giannis, you know, uh, all of those – Malcolm Brogdon. I, I mean, at the end of the day, I think that from a player development standpoint, it's something like a coach that you want to, you know – you have uh, a Jaron Jackson Jr. You, you're more than likely going to draft a John Morant. Like when you go into the the next era of Memphis Grizzlies basketball, outside of a grit and grind, and going into a more younger, modern style of basketball, I think it's you know a pretty good hire to at least boost your team in the direction that it le- at least needs to go. Right. So I think that honestly, boots on the ground right here. I think the the feeling in Memphis is that it's been overall pretty positive. For Taylor Jenkins. Yeah, that, that, that's great, too. I mean, I think he had a good press conference. I mean, we were never going to hire, and we've talked about this before, we were never, I talked about it with Hunter, we're ne- we were never going to hire, you know, the Mike D'Antonis of the world, right? Like, those guys aren't coming here. Yeah. These guys have options. Those free agent guys, like Ty Lue, things like that, like, they have options. You know, uh, we could have yeah. gotten maybe a high-profile assistant, but I'm actually fine with doing something, like actually having a strategy. We waited, we waited a couple months to make the hire, we put all of our front office in place and got them on the same page with who they wanted there. And I, that's what I'm excited right. about is that we have some really smart people in the room, you know, and, and they made this choice and now they're moving forward with this, you know, within two years, we have a really clean slate when it comes to our roster. And, you know, I yeah. think they can make some really strategic and interesting moves, you know, to, to really set us up there. Yeah. I think that, I think that like para it's, it's like an outside in thing, right? Like yeah. you, you hit it right on the head, like para getting, getting the front office um, to where it needed to be, you know, like he, right. we, we remodeled our entire front office. So um, in terms of personnel that we had, so at the, at the end of the day, like you were saying, everybody agreed on one head coach. Like it's, this, this is what we need, right? We need, we need collective collaborative thinking, um, to, and, you know, Taylor Jenkins is going to be a good hire. I don't know what we're going to be doing with Valanchunas, right? Like, I, I you know, opting out, like, do we, do we extend him? Do we not? Is he a part of our vision for the future? I would say no. Um, mainly because, um, if you, if you're pairing a lot of the younger guys and, and we're going to be doing some, uh, we're going to be the Atlanta Hawks, right? <laughs> That's not to compare the two, but at the end of the day, we're going to, like, let's focus on drafting young players and, like, building them up. Um, I don't think he fits our mold. I don't think he fits kind of what we're, we're going to be doing. I know that DeLon Wright is, is actually going to restricted free agency as well. So, I, yeah. I think that we might potentially let him leave. Or, I, don't, I mean, honestly, I don't know what we would do with him either. Be, so. It's going to be interesting there. And, you know, with the JV stuff, uh, I don't want to – he played very well for us last season. And, you know – in a perfect world, him on this roster for the next season or so isn't a bad deal because he's going he's gonna to play hard. He's going to put up points and rebounds. He's going to get double-doubles. That's what he does. He, he doesn't play much defense. He's, he's not, a, not a good defender at all. You know, if you even watch him play a def- defensive possession, his, 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 uh, his posture tells you enough what you need to know about that. And, uh, Very James Harden-esque. 
<laughs> right, right. So he, um, but he's a fun guy to play with. He's a good teammate. So there's positives there. But, and I think he does, he opted out because he talked with us about something. Either he decided that Taylor Jenkins is not who he wants to play for, or he talked with us and says, I'm going to opt out because I want to be with you long term or whatever. And in my opinion, if he's not willing to sign for something along the lines of a two year, million contract or a three-year 27. It's either three and less than 30 or two and less than 20. I don't want him at more than $10 million a year. And I think that just kind of – it just takes up unneeded space in the next couple of years that you don't need to be given to him, a player that Toronto couldn't wait to get rid of. He was loved there too. He put up numbers there too, but they couldn't play him in the playoffs. He was a – he was a a really – an enigma out there. They couldn't do anything. He couldn't. He couldn't guard. Right. He could, they, they couldn't hide him on anybody and stuff like that. So you don't want to have that guy on your team for too long if you're trying to compete sooner rather than later. So, in my opinion, you take this as a blessing in disguise that he opts opts out and saves you some money this year and just move forward. I just don't right. think that. I just don't foresee us getting enough value in a contract with him to be worth it. So yeah, and that and that's kind of where I was going with it, right? Like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, he's always a fan favorite, right? He's he's a very likable guy. He he can put up some numbers on offense, but the defense isn't there. And I, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you know who he is. He's not going to come and in the next three years become like so much more of a of an athlete or so much more of a scorer or so much more of a defensive presence than he kind of is right now. So at the end of the day, it's not like you're, you know, keeping him for, you know, development purposes or, you know, things like that, like being a veteran on the team. Like at that point, you know, if we get him for $10 million a year, like you were saying, or roughly around that, like I'm fine with it, right? Like at the end of the day, let's, let's do it. But I, don't, I just don't – I just don't think – I don't see it. So – I'm excited, honestly. I uh, I was I was so close to not renewing my season tickets because I was, <laughs> and just being straight up honest, I was like, guys, I mean, what are we doing, right? Like, yeah. you know, I I love Jaron. Jaron got hurt, so you really didn't get to see him like towards the back half of the season. But it's like we traded Mark, and I was like, you know, obviously, you know, I I wanted Mark to stay, but then again, he's making tons of money, and we can't rebuild, so it's like a love hate thing, like you know, let's, let's start the rebuild. And then we got the second pick and I was like, it just kind of rejuvenated me a little bit. I was like, okay, well, like we can actually start rebuilding, not like be on the, get the, the DeAndre hunters of the world and kind of be like happy for a year. And then he, you know, yeah. Levels no, out and stuff like that. Right. No, I, I, I totally agree. Like that kind of flipped everything. We went from thinking we may have to send our pick to Boston to having the second best player in the draft. And right. I'm super excited about the future with John Moran. I'm hoping that we take him and don't try to get too cute with it. Um, and, you know, I, I think that really does change a lot of the mood around the team. And you have some building blocks going forward. That's why, to me, it goes back to the whole JV, is that I don't think you should really cloud that salary or cloud that uh, cap sheet too much with these guys that, came in and played, you know, I mean, like Avery Bradley came in and played well, like JV played well, like CJ Miles played pretty well, but at the same time, they are who they are and they're good in a, you know, in a, in a certain situation when they're trying to prove something, they're not going to really be doing that for the rest of their career. So 
I think right. um, there's certain players we should move forward. I wanted to mention – you mentioned him earlier, uh, uh, DeLon Wright, who I'm a big fan of. He had the two triple doubles in the last couple of weeks of the season. I was uh, – I think he's got really good potential, and I think we can get him on a cheap deal. The, the whole John Morant pick now does kind of cloud that situation because you don't want to have too many point guards on your roster. You did use a top 35 pick last year on Javon Carter for some reason who barely could get on the court this year and doesn't seem to be able to be played. Like, I mean, I understand he's got to, you got to give him some time and he's a, he's a defender first. Right. But he doesn't fit the, that was last year's front office and last year's coaching staff as well. So I think there's a situation yeah. you could see us offloading him in a trade for maybe another second round pick this year or just cutting ties with him in general. Like I really do think there's a, I would put it at over 50% that Javon Carter is not on our roster to start the season at least halfway through next season. So yeah. I would say that's a pretty good chance. And I, I, I want to keep DeLon right. I think we could probably get him on a deal like Dante Exum last year where it's like kind of 330 or maybe even less than that, maybe like three years, 20 million or 25 million, something like that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's a restricted free agent. He is. Um, he is. We have his rights. Yeah. I, I don't, Say it again? We can match whatever contract he gets offered. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. What I, where I was going with that was I don't actually know what the market for him would be, right? So I'm, I'm hoping that, that we could um, – it's not something, like, exorbitantly high to where we, we're like, oh, you know what, we'll let him walk. But uh, I do agree with you about Javon Carter. Um, Javon Carter fit more of the, uh, the grit and grind mentality. Right. He's right. He's uh, the, the defender first. I didn't, he, he really didn't have a shot. Right. Every time he kind of pulled up, um, you know, shooting mechanics, you know, from from yeah. the naked eye. He's uh, I mean, it's not a bad looking shot. He just can't hit the broad side of a barn. Most right. nights, yeah, so. he struggled, yeah. <laughs> it's just not his. Yeah, so. he's, a, he's a player that gets hot and can can score in bunches sometimes. But at the th same time, he's a second round pick who is never going to run an offense. He's never going to be a starter or a, an actual no. legitimate starter. He's never going to be that. So he's going to be – if we have Conley on our roster, you know, next season, he's going to be the fourth point guard. We don't need four point guards. So especially if he has any value left at all, if some team who wanted him last year – hopefully since we picked him so early in the second round, there were other teams that would have taken him. So maybe we can offload him for a second-round pick this year, add somebody else or whatever. But, um, but I think that's probably – what we're looking at with him. Um, yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting. I think the off season itself, um, kind of bringing it full circle with the, the, the Kevin Durant, Clay injuries, Kyrie potentially going to the nets, things like that. I think it's yeah. going to be an interesting off season. I think that free agency is going to be pretty crazy. I think the draft could get pretty crazy after the, you know, the, the first three picks. Right. I know that, yeah. Um, and, and I know that we're, we're kind of getting into a draft mentality, but, um, like Jarrett Culver and Darius Garland and like DeAndre Hunter have all been rumored to go four, right? So, right. um, I, you know, after the first three picks, I'm, I'm interested to see, I'll be, yeah. I'll be watching draft night with the, with, with the Grizzlies. Of course. I already blocked off my schedule at work, uh, at like three thirty in the afternoon to prepare for this. Um, so I'm not going to be logging off early guys. Um, yeah, no, I think it's going to be, I think the, I think there's a really good chance the four pick is not the Lakers and that it's the Pelicans or somebody else. And so I think you, there's a lot of options you could see there. 
Um, you know, I know Atlanta, who has like three first-round picks now, who has number eight, number 10, and number 17, they want to move up. I think that's the reason you make that deal. I think they want to get Cam Reddish, who I've heard a couple of yeah. writers talk about. He fits what they're trying to do with this, like, pace and spade. Like, they're trying to put a lot of shooters around, like, one or two big guys. And I really think – I like Reddish, actually. I think he's going to be a lot better than people think. He just had a rough go of it at Duke, and maybe the personality just didn't fit with everybody else. It's tough being third fiddle when, uh, you know, when, when, you're, when you were so good in high school. And it's hard to fit in when you have two future all-stars on the team, right? Not right. to interrupt you, but, I mean, it's, no, it's no. hard. Yeah, it's hard. It's very hard. It's, it's, not, it's not an easy thing to do. And I think, you know, I, there's also some video of him. Like he, he's a, he can create a little bit as well. So I think putting him on a team with, like, Trey Young and Kevin Herter and John Collins and, and, and that such is a good – is a good uh, option. So I think Atlanta even trading for number four is a possibility. Um, I think they do want to get up into the four, five, six range because I think they think the chance Reddish goes there. So um, yeah. I could see them moving up. Um, Chicago has talked about wanting a point guard. Uh, maybe they're a dark horse option for Mike Conley. I mean, I, I, there's some there's some deals I could see coming through with that. Um uh, maybe if they want a point guard to try to compete now with uh, uh, with the, with the you know with Zach Levine and and Laurie Markkinen and those guys, um, and yeah. then um, and then Boston who has three first round picks as well, you know do they have those come draft day? Have they traded them for AD? Have they traded them for you know a higher pick? Like what what's going to go on with them? I think is a, is a good yeah. question. Well, that's for <laughs> that's for a different pod. Yeah, we won't. We won't <laughs> we won't get into to all those specifics, but yeah, man, I'm actually going to have gonna uh, one, of the, one of the uh, he he's a he covers the draft for hoops hype. I mean, gosh, damn it, he covers the draft for hoops habit and a couple other fans. Hoops hype, uh, hoops habit, and covers it for a couple other sites. So I'm going to have him on uh, in the next week pre-draft. So we'll talk probably get into that a little bit more. But uh, final thoughts, wanted to ask you. Do you think uh, – what is Mike Conley getting traded and where is he going to go if he is? Man, that's a tough question. That's a tough question. Do I think he's going to get traded? Absolutely. Uh, I think that it would be, it would be hard to be a, um, a really, really solid point guard, but a, a guy that's over 30 to, to play with a lot of younger guys, to play with a head coach that's uh, roughly the same age, right? We're in a rebuilding year. I don't think Conley wants to be a part of a rebuilding project. So I think that he will get traded, and I think he'll get traded before the season starts. Um, where, ah, dude, I don't know. Um, I honestly, I honestly, uh, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, could you trade him to the Lakers, right? Like if you if, if you get rid of Lonzo, if you if you get rid of Lonzo, if you get rid of Brandon Ingram, and you you trade all those assets for um, AD, like if you can you pair him with. With LeBron, can you pair him with AD? I mean, he can play off the ball if LeBron wants to be the point forward that he is. But at the end of the day, I think that that would be a pretty good fit for Conley as well because he he could potentially con contend at that point, definitely contend at that point. So that's that's somewhere that I could see him potentially going. Or, um, I don't know, like, you know, is there a need for him at the Celtics? Right, you do have a. You, if Kyrie leaves, I know that you have a Terry Rozier, but I don't think Terry Rozier is a, 
is necessarily a, a starting well, point guard than, in the league. I think Conley's better than I Terry. I think he's really good. Yeah, and absolutely. So Terry Rozier is about to get expensive too. He's a free agent, a restricted free agent, but some somebody's going to offer him, I believe. And if the if Celtics want to match, they're going to have to pay up. And if right. they don't, maybe then Conley becomes an option because then you're stuck with, you know, Marcus Smart, who they don't even really want to play as a full time point guard. So right. I think right. that's when you probably get into the Boston uh, Boston discussion. And I don't think we'll get back. Like, I, I'm writing a piece on it right now, kind of based off what Woj said the other night on the three options. I don't think you're going to get what you want back for him. I think best-case scenario would be Hayward in a pick or Hayward in yeah. a player that they picked in that slot. But I think you're probably going to – I think we're probably going to end up getting less than we think, probably a future pick plus a large salary. So. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of – I wouldn't hate to see him on the roster just because I think it would make the team more fun next year and, you know, we could go ahead and hopefully enough to send our pick to Boston and get that out of the way. Yeah. So, I wouldn't hate keeping him. I still think we could probably have a slight trade market for him in his final year of his contract in 2020-2021. So, I'm on the boat of keeping him in my opinion. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I love. I don't, I don't think. I don't know. I don't know what we're gonna do, but I would. I would keep him if it was my decision. No, I mean, I, I get. I mean, either way, either way, you're you're uh, you're thinking about trading him either now or um, in the final year of his contract. I think that you could get more for him now. Uh, is the only reason why I'm kind of on that train of uh, of going ahead and and he's my favorite Grizzly by far. So it kind of hurts to say, <laughs> let's get rid of him. Yeah. But um, if we're going to fully commit to a new head coach, a new vision, uh, and a complete rebuild, I think that um, you're, you're better off going ahead and, and biting the bullet now and, and seeing what you can at least get for him right now, right? Like, e- even if they do keep him, um, they're going to test out and see what they could get for him. Yeah, they're definitely anyway, – so. there was a report today that there's at least five teams have inquired about him. So there's definitely suitors. It's just, you know, let's not take the bare minimum deal – to buy, you know, like like a deal that Utah might offer us, right? Like nothing that Utah has, I think, would be good. To, to no. I would want. Not even their pick, even because that would be the the best part of the deal. So, if it's something like that, they hold on to him and just I'd rather have him than have a, you know, uh, a C minus deal trade package. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I think that's probably going to be the next, I you know, next thing for the Grizzlies as far as that goes. The next big uh, domino to fall there. But there's a lot of stuff looking forward. Uh, you know, the draft is next week. I can't wait for it. And free agency is right around the corner. So, we'll definitely uh, get back together. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have to talk soon, man. Appreciate you uh, You getting me back on the pod, dude. For sure, for sure, guys. Well, make sure you follow Blake on Twitter. I'll put his handle in the thing. You can go ahead and shout it out if you want. Um, if you want your Twitter handle it's out just there. At, it's just at Blake Thornton one Not the surfer. Uh, not the surfer there is a famous surfer and Blake <laughs> <laughs> so make sure to follow him uh, follow me at Jacob McCormick underscore um, check us check me out at hoops habit um, my link is in the description as well and uh, we're doing some more podcasts we're doing a lot of other stuff and we will talk to you next time thanks Blake thanks, yep. peace Thank you.